Hi guys, and welcome back to the Mystery and Comedy Old Time Radio Podcast. Please join me as I welcome Mr. Radio himself, Mr. Elliot Lewis, to the show. Mr. Lewis started his career out in 1936 at the age of 18 while studying at the University of Los Angeles. Studying music and drama. Mr. Lewis went on to have a meaningful career writing for such shows as Suspense, The Jack Radio Show, The Jack Benny Radio Show, Bushman, The Case of Gregory Hood, Speed, Gibson of the International Secret Police, and many others. Mr. Lewis also wrote for mystery shows such as Arch Obler's Plays, The Clock, Suspense, The Whistler, and many others. Mr. Lewis had taught radio classes at UCLA in the early 50s. But what a lot of people may not know is that Mr. Lewis started, also served our country during World War II, becoming a master sergeant and producing more than 120 shows for the Armed Forces Network. He left the service in 1946 and went on to appear in the NBC comedy show, The Phil Harris and Alice Faye Show. And then later on, Mr. Lewis appeared behind the microphone in such shows as Suspense, The Whistler, The Clock, which you may have heard on my Ella, I mean my Lucille Fletcher episode. And if you haven't, I'd recommend going back and listening to that episode first. But later on in his career, after retiring, in the mid 60s behind the microphone Mr. Lewis went on to appear in many TV shows and television shows such as Jesse Lanks, The Great Castro, and many others. He also appeared in TV shows such as 
1975 Big Eddie. And many others. But during the 1960s, Mr. Lewis directed the show, directing such shows as the Mother-in-Laws, Protocol Junction, Petticoat Junction, and Bill Cosby and Annie Griffith's programs. Mr. Lewis also went on to write for many shows such as The McKenzie Rider, The Lucy Show, and many others. He met his second wife, Miss Mary Jane Croft, as Lucy's psychic, Mary Jane Lewis. Her married name in the um, on the set of the Lucy show in 1963 through 64 Lewis joined Bill Cro Ben Crosby productions in 1964 and worked for many years before retiring. He retired with his last performance on Ringdom State. Mr. Lewis went on to become a novelist for the Pinnacle novel about a detective named Fred in seven series until 1983. Mr. Lewis and Miss Croft were married until he passed away in 1990 due to a heart amplification. Mr. Lewis has may have been has been gone for more than 32 years but his legacy and memory will live on forever in our hearts and minds. But today, Mr. Lewis comes to the show to reenact three episodes to chill our spines. In this first episode, he plays a man who is emotionally distraught over a woman and does the unthinkable and ends up wanting to kill her in order to get out of his miserable relationship with her. And it is called Can't We Be Friends? And in this next episode, Mr. Lewis plays a criminal Who is well known as a thief and a murderer and it is called 
concerto for a killer. And in this final episode from the Escape Old Time Radio Show, Mr. Lewis plays a man who has written a horrifying biography about the horrors that he is expected to go through. And a young woman ends up picking his up his notebook that he has written the horrible horrors that he is soon to face. And it is called Evening Primrose. I hope you guys enjoy Mr. Lewis and hit Mr. Elliot Lewis and his performance on the show for this morning or this afternoon. If you like the show, please comment and subscribe, guys. So sorry about the long introduction, but I wanted to make sure I got everything. And once again, guys, always remember to enjoy the show. Thanks. Now, Roma Wines, R-O-M-A, made in California for enjoyment throughout the world. Roma Wines present Suspense. Tonight, Roma Wines bring you Mr. Elliot Lewis as star of Can't We Be Friends, a suspense play produced, edited, and directed for Roma Wines by William Spear. Suspense. Radio's outstanding theater of thrills is presented for your enjoyment by Roma Wines. That's R-O-M-A. Roma Wines. Those excellent California wines that can add so much pleasantness to the way you live. To your happiness in entertaining guests, to your enjoyment of everyday meals. Yes, right now a glass full would be very pleasant. As Roma Wines bring you Elliot Lewis in a remarkable tale of... Suspense! I suppose you want to know how it happened. Yes, I'd like very much to know. Then will you tell me how you got here? I'm Dr. Mayer. Did you look at her? Is she dead? You tell me your story first. Who's he? This gentleman lives in the next apartment. Yeah? Yes, go on, go on. Let's hear your story. Well, her name was... is... Frances Murphy. I've known her for about six months. I met her at a party. We went out together a few times, liked each other, and started going together. She's... fascinating, I guess. I fell in love with her, and I think she was in love with me. For a while, anyway. What's your name? Uh, Michael Gordon. Yeah? Well, go on. Well, she wasn't well for a while, and then she told me she had to go to the hospital. Some minor surgery. Minor surgery? Why, that girl... So that's what she told you, eh? Yeah. Well, anyway, I got sort of busy, and I didn't get a chance to see her while she was sick. And when I saw her again, she wouldn't talk to me, so I started seeing another girl I know. But this afternoon, I got to thinking about Fran. I kept seeing her when I was with the other girl. It bothered me. So I decided I'd come over and see her. I got here at 6 o'clock. This apartment, in case you don't know, is very easy to get up to. 
The desk clerk sits around the corner from the elevator, and you don't have to see him if you don't want to. I didn't want him to call and tell Fran I was coming up, so I went over to the elevator without talking to him and came directly up to the fourth floor and knocked on her door. Hello, Fran. Oh, it's... Mike. How are you, Fran? Can I come in? What do you want? Oh, I was just passing by. I thought I'd stop in and see how you were feeling. You're a little late, aren't you? Been feeling better for three weeks. Oh, now don't be like that, honey. I was busy. That's why I didn't see you. Yeah, aren't you going to ask me in? All right, come in. But you can't stay long. I've got an engagement with a very good friend tonight. Oh, thanks. <sighs> well, the apartment looks very nice. Sit down if you like. Oh, thanks. Uh, care for a cigarette? No, thanks. Ah, uh, you look swell. It's not your fault, I do. Oh, now, don't be like that, Fran. I feel awful about not seeing him when you were sick. I had to see a fellow from out of town. Did it take you ten days to see him? Oh, honey, you know how those things are. It was business. You just can't make any other plans. You really don't have to explain it to me. I'm not the least little bit interested in what you do. Fran, look at me. I'm sorry, Fran. I don't blame you for being mad at me. I'm no good, I guess. I'm just a no-good bum. I never deserved having a girl like you anyway. How true. But let's let bygones be bygones and at least part good friends, huh? That's really why I came by today. I wanted to ask you, can't we be friends? Well... Because I loved you, Fran. You know that I did. I still do. But, of course, I realize that's beside the point. You still do, huh? Whatever do you mean? I've been thinking about you a lot, Fran. About how you walk, the fingernail polish you use, the perfume you wear. That you gave me for my birthday. Did I? Well, you know, that's right. I remember now. You sure were surprised. It's very nice of you. It was nothing, honey. Nothing at all. I wish I could have gotten you a mink coat. Two mink coats, one for afternoon, one for nighttime. Really? Mind if I sit here next to you? Well, I don't know. Thanks. You're in a perfume now, aren't you? Uh-huh. Yeah, perfume has a better smell when you wear it, you know? Oh, will you forgive me, Fran, for being such a heel? Well, you really didn't... No, don't me. answer that, honey. That wasn't nice of me to ask you that. There's no reason why a girl like you should get stuck with a bum like me. You're better off going out with other people. Who's this friend you had the engagement with tonight? Are you really sorry you didn't see me, Mike? I told you I was. I could have killed myself. I felt so bad. Oh. Give me a kiss. Sure, honey. I missed you, Mike. And I haven't got an engagement with anyone tonight. I haven't been out of the house. Dr. Mayer said I should take it easy. No, that's good, honey. We'll go out tonight, huh? Or would you rather I stayed here with you for dinner? And then we could listen to some music tonight. I haven't heard your records in a long time, you know. No, no, you'll have to go, Mike. I have some packing to do. I I have to go away and rest a while. I guess I was pretty sick. Well, it's all the more reason for me to stay, honey. I'll help you pack. We'll have a little farewell party. No, no, I'm sorry, Mike. I I have to go to sleep as soon as I finish packing, so I'll be fresh for the trip tomorrow. Well, that's ridiculous. I'm just going to sit here. I won't bother you. Who are you trying to kid? What do you mean? I mean, what are you trying to pull? If you got a date with another guy, tell me. I don't care who you go out with. I told you I didn't have a date. Well, you think I believe that? 
too sick to see me, huh? That's a laugh. You certainly look well enough to me. But I'm not. That's one of the reasons I didn't go to see you in the hospital. I knew you were kidding. What's the matter with you? I had an operation. You want to tell me about your operation? Please go. I'll go when I'm good and ready. You go right now. Right when I tell you to. Who do you think you are? Who do you think you are? You get out of here before I call a manager. Oh, you wouldn't dare call a manager. Oh, wouldn't I? Listen, you cheap, no good bum. You get out of here, I'll have you thrown up. Oh, shut up. Okay. All right, you ask for it. Hey, give me that phone. Get your dirty hands off of me. You go away. I told you to shut up. What do you want? Why don't you leave me alone? I want to see you uncomfortable. I want you to be unhappy the way you make me unhappy. I want to make sure you remember me. <laughs> I used to fall for that crying routine, but not anymore. Now I just make you cry a little hard. You might like to know I wasn't seeing anybody about business while you were in the hospital. I went out every night. I've been seeing your friend Trudy. Trudy? Trudy. Yeah, Trudy. But then I had to come back up here today and see you. Because I kept seeing you and I kissed Trudy. What's that got to do with me? You get out of here. I gotta do something to stop that. I don't love you anymore, but I keep remembering you. That's no good. You can stop remembering me anytime you like. Well, I hardly recognized you when you came in. That's how easy I forgot. Oh, no, that don't work with me. Now, listen to me. You listen to me. I'm tired of your little problem. I don't like you, and I wouldn't even like you if you had any money, which goodness knows you haven't. I want you to go away and leave me alone. I don't want you to come back here anymore. You saw me today because you wanted to. Okay, but no more. Now, I'm going into the bedroom, and I'm going to lock the door, and I don't care whether you stay here forever, but I'm not coming out until you leave here. But if you haven't left in a little while, I'm going to scream. And I'm going to keep screaming until somebody comes up here and throws you out of here. I just stood there for a while and looked at the door. And I thought, I don't love her. I don't love her at all. I hate her. That's when I decided to do it. Because I figured that if there was no Fran, that I could see Trudy or, or anybody else I wanted to and not have to worry about being lonesome for Fran or feeling sorry for Fran or needing Fran. And I figured you don't remember dead people very well. But I knew I had to do it that night before she left on her trip. I worked it out like this. I'd leave right then and leave her front door on the latch and talk to everybody in the building and go to my boarding house and tell everyone there how tired I was and go up to my room... That would be my alibi. Everyone would have seen me go to sleep. Then I'd wait until everybody was in bed. And I'd take my gun and come back here without anybody seeing me and kill Fran. For suspense... Roma Wines are bringing you Elliot Lewis as star of Can't We Be Friends, a radio play of which he is also the author, and which is Roma Wines' presentation tonight in radio's outstanding theater of thrills, Suspense. Between the acts of suspense, this is Ken Niles for Roma Wines. Warm weather and cold drinks just naturally go together. And here's my favorite recipe for quick, thirst-quenching refreshment these scorching days. 
It's Roma Wine and Soda, America's smartest, coolest summer drink. After a hot day's work, try Roma Wine and Soda. It's refreshing as a cold shower. And when guests drop in, delight them with delicious, easy-to-serve Roma Wine and Soda. Just half-fill a tall glass with Roma California Burgundy or Sauterne or any other Roma wine type of your choice. Then add ice, fill with sparkling water, and stir. In less than a minute, you're sipping your way to cool contentment. Or for a short refresher that's long on taste, try this cooler offer. Just pour Roma California Sherry to cover a cube or two of ice. It's delicious. Remember, Roma wines are selected from the world's greatest wine reserves. So refreshers made with Roma are better tasting always. For low-cost, cool enjoyment this summer, serve Roma wine and soda. Insist on Roma. R-O-M-A. Roma wine. Largest selling wine in all history. And now, Roma wines bring back to our Hollywood soundstage... Elliot Lewis as Michael Gordon in Can't We Be Friends, a tale well calculated to keep you in suspense. Fran? Hey, Fran? Well, I'm gone now. I'm sorry we couldn't at least be friends. I went to the front door of her apartment snapped the lock open and left, making a little noise closing the door so she'd know I'd gone. In the elevator going down, I saw a guy I didn't know, but I wanted to be seen leaving, so... Uh, pardon me, do you have the time? Uh, quarter, quarter to seven. Thanks. Uh, I'm awful tired. You've been working hard? Oh, yeah. Early jobs every morning. <laughs> Matter of fact, this is almost my bedtime. Uh. Oh, after you. No, oh, thanks. That's all right. I'll see you. Huh? Night. Mm-hmm. Uh, pardon me. Yes, may I help you? Uh, yeah, Miss Murphy in 411 asked me to tell you she doesn't want to be disturbed. Yes, yes, yes. You got that straight now. Miss Murphy, 411, she doesn't want to be disturbed. Not uh, feeling badly again, is she? Oh, no, no. No, just a little tired. Taking a nap. Oh, well, thank you. I'll see that she's not bothered. Yeah, because she doesn't want to be disturbed. I uh, got the time. Uh, yeah, t- t- ten minutes to seven. Ten minutes to seven. <laughs> I better get my dinner and get some sleep. Got an early call in the morning. I left the building and took a cab, although I didn't have too much dough. I talked to the cabbie. I asked him about his family. I got real chummy with him. Because he was a Red Sox man, so I was a Red Sox man. At the boarding house, I gave everybody a big yawn. I lauded around how tired I was. Even had the landlady feeling sorry for me, and she usually hates me. Everybody patted me on the back up to my room. I made a lot of noise dropping my shoes when I got there. I jumped up and down on the bed a couple of times. Then I went over to the window, and I looked out at the street, and I waited. The traffic gradually disappeared as I watched. And through the early night, one by one, I could hear the other boarders yell goodnight to somebody in the living room and bang up the stairs and close their door. Pretty soon I knew they had to be asleep. About one o'clock in the morning, a last pair of footsteps came upstairs without saying goodnight to anyone. So I knew they'd all turned in. I waited a little longer to make sure everyone was sleeping. Then I put my shoes back on. 
I got my gun out of the bureau drawer. I opened the door to my room. Old man Epstein was sawing away down the hall, making his usual racket, so I felt easier about going past his door to get to the stairs. But I was very careful and quiet. He <coughs> grumbled once when I got in front of his door, but I held still. Pretty soon he started sawing again. I got down the stairs. It was pretty dark in the living room, and I was afraid I'd trip on some furniture. But I made it all right. Finally felt the front door and hung in my hand. I opened the door as quietly as I could. <laughs> and then what? I don't want to talk to him in that case. Go play with Lombardo. <laughs> you rock me, Jason. You rock me. What tomorrow? Same. I got an 88 man I want you to hear. Oh, solid, solid. See ya. Right. Oh, is that you, Lippy? No. Oh, hi, man. Good evening. Door's open if you're going in. Oh, thanks for saving me the key move, man. Hey, you still working days, fellow border Rooney? Yeah, yeah. Oh, ain't this a little past your bedtime, man? Oh, yeah, it's late, but the reason I... Hey, can't... why do you go out at 3 o'clock? <laughs> well, I wasn't going out. I couldn't sleep. I was just going to get some fresh air and come right in again. You better leave the door unlocked for me. Oh, boy, I'm beat. Yeah, well, you better get to bed. <sighs> oh, it's a fine night for singing. Yeah. Yeah, uh, well, don't get too much of that fresh air. Liable to choke you to death. Yeah, well, good night. Oh, hey, hey, we had that joint really jumping at night. Hatchet face come by, sat in with us for a while. Really? Oh, he's mellow. That boy plays fine. That's all I hear. Yeah. That good? Yeah, sounds great. Yeah. <sighs> well, enjoyed your company, Pops. Sure thing. Good night. Yeah. Well, gotta fall in now. Hit that pan. I was frightened for a minute. I was awful frightened. If Jack remembered seeing me, my carefully planned alibi was shot. I thought, better not, not tonight. But then, Jack wasn't like most people. He wouldn't remember in the morning. He'd be too busy trying to recall Hatchet Face's lick. No, it was still all right. But I had to be careful. I couldn't take any chances. To be safe, I had to have the alibi that I'd gone to bed early. I walked quietly to the street and started for Fran's apartment house. I was very careful all the way. A couple of times cars came by and always I ducked into the shadows and waited for them to pass before I continued walking. I got here at about four o'clock, I guess. I went up to the front door and tried to open it. But the big door was locked. I couldn't get in. I took my keys out of my pocket and tried them. But none of them fitted. Then I heard someone coming up the walk. I moved back from the door and squeezed against the mailboxes and waited. I was almost afraid to breathe. Except that I knew I'd get in now. I'd just wait until the people went in and then get my foot in the door to keep it from completely closing again. Good night, honey. Good night, darling. I'll call you in the morning, Betty Jane. Call me when you get home so I know you're all right. Oh, well, won't I wake anyone? Oh, I'll be at the phone. I'll... I'll answer as soon as it rings. Okay. Give me another kiss. Mm. Do you love me? Uh-huh. How much? A million. Oh, that's not enough. Good night. Good night, Betty Jane. 
seven million? Mm, that's better. Don't forget to call. I won't. Honey. Yes, darling. Good night. Oh, good night, darling. You call now. I will. I was sweating. It had been close, but they hadn't seen me and my foot was holding the door open, so I just waited there until I was sure she'd gone upstairs. And then I opened the door and quietly guided it closed and walked on tiptoe across the lobby to the elevator. I needn't have wondered about avoiding the desk clerk. There was no one at the desk. The elevator was upstairs somewhere with the girl who had just taken it and I rang the buzzer for it. I love self-service elevators. They make you feel like you could go to the moon in them. Elevators and subway trains I always wanted to drive ever since I was a kid. I got back in the dark just in time. The guy didn't see me. was so dry, I wondered for a few seconds how that guy had been able to whistle, you know, the way you do. And I opened the elevator door and got in. And I pushed the button for the fourth floor. I got a little panicky, because I thought that if someone was waiting on the fourth floor, they'd see me when they opened the elevator door. I almost convinced myself that someone would be there waiting for me. I put my hand in my coat pocket and felt the gun there and grabbed it hard. It was cold, so I took it out and pressed it against my forehead. That made me feel a little better. But there was no one waiting for the elevator. I stepped out into the dark hallway. I took a pencil out of my pocket and jammed it against the door so that it couldn't close. You know the way those things are. They won't run when the door is open, and I wanted it to be there waiting for me when I finished the shooting. That was the only way I figured to get out of the apartment before everybody woke up and started doing something about hunting for me. There's a basement exit, you know, when the elevator goes down in the basement. I had all that figured, too. The pencil seemed to work, but to make sure, I stepped back into the elevator and pushed a button. And the motor clicked and the door strained, but stayed open. The elevator didn't go anywhere. Then I stepped out into the hall and listened. It was awful quiet. Not even anyone snoring, which you usually hear at night in a big apartment house like this. I tried to remember if there was a squeaky board in the floor anywhere down the hall, but couldn't, so I just crossed my fingers and tiptoed down the long, dark hallway. The only light was the red exit sign that shows you where the fire escape is. And seeing from that is like working in a dark room, developing pictures, which I did for a while. Two doors from Fran's apartment. the most frightened I ever was in my life when a kid started to yell. Because in the first place, I didn't know what it was right away. And in the second place, I thought, he'll wake up everybody in the apartment and they'll be up and on their feet when I start shooting. I guess I held my breath for a couple of minutes because when I started to try and relax, my breath came out in a low whistle. Well, that scared me too. I thought, it'd be great if I get a heart attack right here in the hall of a strange apartment house in the little hours of the morning with a gun in my pocket. It's like being afraid of a fire at night because you don't want to go out in the street in your pajamas. Oh, it's worse, I guess. Anyhow, the baby finally quieted down. I waited a while. 
breakfast. I didn't know whether his mother had gotten up to quiet him or whether he'd just gone back to sleep again. I wasn't taking any chances now. It was too close to the finish. I waited. I figured it was safe a few minutes later and continued snailing down the hall. I stopped at Fran's door and listened. It was quiet inside. I put my hand into my pocket and grabbed hold of the gun. Then I slowly turned the doorknob, slid the door open. It didn't creak or anything, which was lucky. I got into the room, quietly closed the door again. I took the gun out of my pocket and released the safety and went to the bedroom door. It was already a little bit open. Through the crack, I could see her figure lying on the bed. I pushed the door enough ajar so that I could move into the room and look closer. That chop suey sign across the street was flashing on and off, and as I got used to the pattern it made on the walls, I saw Frances lying on the bed, dressed as she had been when I'd seen her early in the evening. She was lying on her stomach with her face turned toward the far side of the room toward the shadow. My nose started to tickle. I thought I was going to sneeze, but when I pressed the cold gun against my upper lip, the desire left me. I moved slowly and quietly toward the bed. I got within a few feet of her. I pointed the gun right at her head. The gun was weaving around, so I held on with both hands. I took very careful aim. It was done. I threw the gun down on the bed right next to Fran and started for the door. I knew I didn't have much time to get out of there. I, I tripped over one of her packed suitcases in the living room but didn't fall. It reminded me though that I'd gotten there in time. She hadn't had a chance to go on her trip. I got to the front door of the apartment and jerked it open. What's the hurry? Hurry! Get back in there. Get out of my way! Get back in there. No, you... I told you to get back in there! And that's all I know of what happened. I see. Did you hit me? Yes. I was helped by this gentleman here. I used that book. What were you doing here? The young lady had called me and asked me to stop by. At four o'clock in the morning? Oh, look here. I'm her doctor. Yeah? You must have got pretty clubby with her while she was in the hospital. Hmm? I was right about her. That's swell. Now, I don't feel badly about having shot her. The police will be here soon. You think I'm going to wait for her? Watch him, doctor. Hey! Hey! Just as well. Uh, aren't you going to call the ambulance? I already had. Yeah. You, you I right? called the ambulance for the young lady. The state she was in when she talked to me on the phone, I I knew we'd have to take her back to the hospital tonight. Well, there's not much they can do for her now. Well, there wasn't much they could have done for her before. An embolism, a uh, blood clot. The result of her surgery and the excitement she must have had earlier in the evening. Then he didn't kill her? She was dead... Three hours before he got here. Suspense. Presented by Roma Wines. R-O-M-A. Made in California for enjoyment throughout the world. This is Ken Niles for Roma Wine, suggesting a refreshing idea for warm weather entertaining. Serve your guests tall, frosty glasses of Roma Wine lemonade. 
an ice-cold, taste-tingling treat that's a summer favorite here in Hollywood. For gala garden party or neighbor's casual call, the delicious, thirst-quenching refreshment of Roma Wine Lemonade pleases everyone. And Roma Wine Lemonade is easy on you because it costs so little, is so easy to serve. You just place ice and the juice of half a lemon in a tall glass. Pour three-quarters full with zestful Roma California Burgundy or any other Roma wine you prefer. Add water and sweeten to taste. And because Roma wines are selected from the world's greatest wine reserves, a refresher made with Roma is better tasting naturally. So start now. Cool off and refresh yourself with Roma Wine Lemonade. Insist on Roma. R-O-M-A. Roma Wine. Discover why more Americans enjoy Roma than any other wine. Uh, this is Elliot Lewis. It's always a pleasure to appear on Suspense, and tonight I'm especially grateful to Mr. Spear for the opportunity to not only hear one of my own radio plays presented here, but also to appear in the starring role. I'd certainly like to thank my good friends and fellow radio countrymen who contributed their usual wonderful performances. Lorene Tuttle, who was Fran. Wally Mayer, who was the doctor. Jerry Hausner, who was the Vout kid. Betty Moran and Irvin Lee, who were the two kids outside the apartment house. And Bill Johnston, who can do almost anything. Next Thursday, a very wonderful actor, Mr. J. Carroll Nash, will be starred on Suspense in a play called Commuter's Ticket which goes to prove that nobody notices you on a commuting train except when you don't want to be noticed. Next Thursday, same time, Roma Wines will bring you J. Carol Nash as star of Suspense, radio's outstanding theater of thrills. Produced by William Spear for the Roma Wine Company of Fresno, California. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. and its 98,000 dealers bring you Mr. Elliot Lewis in tonight's presentation of Suspense. Tonight, Autolite presents a story of revenge, the desperate effort of a murderer to destroy the man who had committed him to prison. The story is called Concerto for Killer and Eyewitnesses. Our star, the producer-director of Suspense, Mr. Elliot Lewis. Hello, Harlow. Uh, goodbye, Hap. Goodbye. Why, sure, Hap. This is our last show till fall. The last chance to talk about that great Autolite Stay Full, the battery that needs water only three times a year in normal car use. Oh, it's a great battery, Harlow, and just the battery to make every summer trip happier than ever. Why, Hap, the Autolite Stay Full is a natural for every season of the year. It has fiberglass retaining mats protecting every positive plate, 
to reduce shedding and flaking. And it gives longer life, as proved by tests conducted according to accepted life cycle standards. The Autolite Stay Full is the battery for me, Harlow. So, friends, see your neighborhood Autolite battery dealer soon. He services all makes of batteries, and when replacements are needed, he has an Autolite Stay Full for your car. To quickly find his location, just call Western Union by number... And ask for Operator 25. That's me, and I'll gladly tell you the location of your nearest Autolite battery dealer. Where you can get an Autolite Stay Full, the battery that needs water only three times a year in normal car use. And remember, from bumper to tail light, you're always right with Autolite. And now, with the performance of Mr. Elliot Lewis, Autolite presents transcribed Concerto for Killer and Eyewitnesses, hoping once again to keep you in suspense. My name's Jesse Crandall, Detective Sergeant, Central Division, Chicago Police Department. I was assigned to a special detail along with Detective Sergeant Abe Delaney on the first day of this week. Our duty was to escort prisoner Edward Sitko to the state penitentiary at Joliet, where he was to await execution. Our train left the main terminal at 5 in the afternoon. We all took prescribed precautions. The prisoner was securely handcuffed to both of us. He was wearing county jail-issue clothing. No hat. You guys have to walk me through the station? For a fellow who doesn't care who he kills, you're pretty touchy, Sitko. I got all the opinions I want from the judge, copy. You're just supposed to see I get some. All right, that's enough, Sitko. We'll see that Come you on. get there, Eddie boy, all safe and sound and ready for the chair. Tell us, punk, to shut up. Tell him to shut up. I'm the last copper you'll ever call a punk, Sitko. Now keep looking tight. Tie off him, Delaney. Will you? Oh, sure, Jesse, sure. Sitko. Yeah. How come you're so stupid, Sitko? How come you trusted Dallas Kenyon when nobody else did? I never trusted anybody. Ever. If you didn't trust him, Sitko, how come he knew who you killed, where you killed, when you did it? Car 64, compartment A. This car, sir, second door to the right. Watch your steps, sir. Thank you. Come on. <laughs> the taxpayers wanted to be sure you got only the best. Did your boy Kenyon ever treat you... Shut up about Kenyon. Look, Eddie, it's too late to be tough. Yeah, Eddie. You should have been tough with Dallas Kenyon instead of that two-bit hood he sent you out after. You killed the wrong guy, Eddie. I'm not dead yet. Maybe I'll still get the right one. <laughs> Gonna write him a poison pen letter? It's too late, Sitko. You killed a man. Now you're going to pay for it. Dinner now being served in the dining car. Dinner now being served in the dining car. Ice cold for dinner. Place call for dinner. Place call for dinner. Oh, uh, I'll get a bite now. Jesse, key. No. Oh. Yeah. Hey. Thanks. 
Oh, uh, want me to bring you back a newspaper, sick call? Nothing in them I want to read. First guy I ever took up to the dead cell who didn't want to read his own publicity. Sergeant Delaney was in the dining car as we pulled out into the outer yards. That's when the train lurched forward. I went off balance for a moment. Sitko threw his weight on me and we crashed to the floor. This is where I get off, copper. He brought his knee up into my face. One for you. I was momentarily stunned. He went through my pockets, found the keys, and unlocked the handcuffs. Sergeant Delaney returned at that moment. Sitko slammed against the door, locking it. And then he struck me across the temple with the handcuffs. One for your friends. Open up. Open up, you. Before I lost consciousness, I saw Eddie Sitko open the train window and jump. the little prayer would do for him what he'd never been able to do for himself. It was Angela's time, six o'clock, when I heard him on the stairway outside my door. Yeah? Let me in. What are you doing here? What's the matter? Don't you like to see me? First time in my life I've been glad the trains run through this lousy, dirty neighborhood. Oh, I don't understand. I Dallas I... Kenyon. He's waiting for me. He don't know it, but he's waiting. And I'm going to be there. I need some clothes, money, a gun. Kenyon? Oh, Kenyon. You're going to kill again. Where are my clothes? Get out of here, Eddie. What? Get out. I got nothing of yours. I gave all your things to the neighbors, to the boys in the block. I thought they'd need some warm clothes to wear. They fought over them. And they tore them to shreds. They wanted souvenirs. They're growing up like you because they think you're a man. They think you're somebody. You who cheated and robbed and murdered. What do you mean by that? You ruin everything you touch. You shut up! Come on, give me some money. Give me some money. I got nothing. Nothing. Go away. Leave me alone. Go away, huh? I walk out that door and you yell copper, huh? Why don't you kill me then, Eddie? Go on, kill me. No, because you already killed me, Eddie, 15 years ago. Fifteen years I've operated a legitimate business. Fifteen years and nothing like this has ever happened to me. It's very frightening that such a thing should occur in a large city like Chicago. Very frightening. I read the newspapers and I know all about Eddie Sisko. I read about his threats against this man, Dallas Kenyon, and all that, but I never thought that I, George Bartlett, would ever meet the man. What? Back inside. It's 6.30. Time to close. I said back inside. I'm warning you, don't yell. Don't do anything. Yeah, I don't want to yell. What do I want to yell and get killed for? Where are your guns? Where are your guns? Guns? Every hock shop has guns. Where are they? A, a gun? What's a fellow sticking up a store? Uh, want... Where are your guns? Sitko. Eddie Sitko. I, I, I saw your pictures in the paper. Oh, shut up. 
Uh, over, over there in the case. Yeah, uh, that case. All the guns you want, all of them. Uh, anything here is yours. Take all of it, but please leave me alone. Please let me alone. Cartridges? Uh, uh, on your right, on your right. Uh, second drawer. Uh, it, it, it's all yours. Uh, please, just let me alone. I gotta change clothes. On the rack. On the rack, yeah. You can see I'm trying to help you. Can't you see that? Yeah, this'll do. Yes, it'll fit nice. It's, it's nice in the shoulders. I, I know it'll fit. Pull those shades. Uh, yes, sir. Yes, sir. You expecting anybody? A friend of mine, Albert Hennessy. He runs the barber shop two doors down. We, we, we have beer sometimes after work. But if he comes, I'll send him away. I want to help you. Honest, I, I, I hate to see anybody get a raw deal. And that man you talked about during your trial at Dallas Canyon, he gave you a bad deal. I, I, I'm sure he gave you a bad deal. Did you hear me? I, I said I hate to see anybody get a raw deal. And that Dallas Canyon... He, yeah, this suit'll do. It, it fits perfectly. Like it was made just for you. I, I helped you, didn't I? I believe in giving a man a chance. I'm a little man, I... I can't hurt you. Kenyon, he, he's the one you want. That's right, yes. You need money. Take it. Take it, all of it. Anything. Please, just take it. You might need it if you have far to go and I... Oh, my car. You, you can trust me. Please, Mr. Sitko. You... I don't trust. No, 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 no. I'm a grown man. Please, please don't beat me up. It's humiliating for a grown man to cry. Don't. Beat me up. Please don't. Everybody ought to give a little man a break. I'll give you a break, little man. No, please, please, no, 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 I... You just got your break. Kenny Tate, licensed operator, city of Chicago. You'll see a front and side of me right by the meter. I never go under and I never go over. And I never make wrong change. I never roll drunks. It's a job. It helps you to learn people. That's what I said, learn people. You can tell a lot by the way a woman lights a cigarette or a man reaches to pay his fare. I was just cruising when I saw Eddie Sitko. I didn't know it was him at first. Jeff! Hey, Jeff! Straight ahead. I'll tell you when to turn. Right. Swell night, isn't it? Want the radio on? No. Turn right, next corner. Yeah, sure. Come on, get this going faster. <laughs> yeah, not tonight. I've never seen so many cops floating around. Never mind the tickets. Never mind it. Who'll pay for them? I'll pay. Let's get moving. Uh, that's what they all say. Like just last I week... Said I said I'd pay a... for them. Move. Yeah, trying to make the fights? What? I said trying to make the fights. Fights? Yeah, I want to make the fights. Oh, well then. You'll just make it. Start at 8.30. Turn here. Huh? Turn here. I thought you wanted to go to the fights. Oh, I'm sorry. I'll circle back on the next corner. It won't cost you nothing. 
I'll pull down the flag. Hey, would you look at that? Second squad car in a block. Wonder what's up. Wonder if they're looking for somebody. What, what are you stopping for? The signal, mister, it's red. Can't make a right turn in the downtown district against the stop signal. It says go. Start fast. What are you doing? Don't turn left. Please, please, any pistols in my car. Are you lousy? Hey, you. Come back here. Come back here. Stop or I'll shoot. Bringing you Mr. Elliot Lewis in Concerto for Killer and Eyewitnesses. Tonight's presentation in radio's outstanding theater of thrills, Suspense. Say, Harlow, before we go on vacation, I've got a question. All right, shoot, Hap. Does the Autolite Stay-Full battery really have everything? You bet it does, Hap, including fiberglass retaining mats to reduce shedding and flaking and give the Autolite Stay-Full longer life, as proved by tests conducted according to accepted life cycle standards. But doesn't the Autolite Stay-Full need something, Harlow? Well, yes, it does, Hap. It needs water only three times a year in normal car use. Only three times a year in normal car use, Harlow? Yes, Hap, only three times a year in normal car use. So, friends, visit your nearest Autolite battery dealer. He services all makes of batteries and has an Autolite stay full for your car. To quickly learn his location, call Western Union by number... And ask for me, operator 25. I'll quickly tell you the location of your nearest Autolite battery dealer. Where you can get an Autolite stay full, the battery that needs water only three times a year in normal car use. And remember, from bumper to tail light, you're always right with Autolite. And now, Autolite brings back to our Hollywood soundstage Mr. Elliot Lewis in his production of Concerto for Killer and Eyewitnesses, a tale well calculated to keep you in suspense. Ladies and gentlemen, number 18 in your catalogs. This beautiful Ming type bot. Put it up under the light, boys. And turn it for the folks. That's right. Now, can we start the bidding at $60? Do I hear $60? $50? Do I hear $50? All right, then, $45. Do I hear $45? <coughs> I tell you, folks, it's worth your life getting anything sold here tonight. <laughs> now, look at this box. Yes. Now, Can I help you, officer? Anybody come in here in the last 20, 10 minutes? Oh, what a lot of people. Okay. The auction's just starting. A tall man, heavy build. No, Maybe he had a bullet wound. 
Limp, maybe. Bullet wound? No, no, we haven't seen anyone like that. He said he's sitcom. He's dangerous. If you see him, notify the police. All right, I'm sorry. Then we'll have to pass it. Right, take it away, boys. Right. Handle it easy now. Get out. Get out of my way. Come on, out of my way. What? Get out of my way. Kugat's great. Great! I seen him once when he was at the Roxy, and I... Oh, yeah. Well, it was just a night like any other night. I'm the elevator boy, the regular clerk's across the street dipping his bill. So I'm having myself a ball. I got a little routine that somebody's gonna pay money for someday, and that's what I was doing when he walks in. Hey, the window sheet is broken, and the rain is coming in. Hiya! Jerry Bunnell still live here? Yeah, 108. But she's not in. She's always out. I wish I could go out. These night jobs are lousy. You friend of hers? Yeah. Boy, I wish I was a friend of hers. Some dish. She a dancer? Singer. Nightclubs. And look, Nightclubs? I... I like nightclubs. Not big spreads, jive joints. Most people don't like them anymore. Me? I like them. Look, I want to wait in her apartment. Wait in her apartment? Oh, gee, I don't no, know. No, she, she knows me. I'm her agent. Well, I'm not supposed to, buddy, and I haven't seen you around. Right, I've been out of town. I'm her agent. I've been booking her. Agent? Yeah? You've been booking her, huh? Hey, you handle any bands? Well, yeah, sure. Lots of bands. Take me up, huh? You know Stan Kenton? Yeah, yeah. I know him well. Yeah? Introduce me. I, I got a little act idea, yeah. see? And it... Yeah, just ask Miss Bunnell. Solid. You just made yourself a deal. It's on this floor. Come on. Only it's my neck if you tell anybody. Nobody, nobody. All you show business guys are jumpy. Why is that? Everybody's jumpy. They read the papers, that's what's wrong with them. Read the papers and get all looped up. Me, I only read downbeat. Got no nerves. This is it. Here you are, and uh, don't forget my knockdown to Kenton. Tomorrow. Fix it up first thing tomorrow. You want me to shut that window? No. Well, okay. She said she'd be back in a few minutes. She said, Manana, manana, manana is good enough for me. It's really you. Didn't he tell you outside? Didn't he tell you I was here? Nobody told me anything. Eddie, how? Never mind now. You're going to help me the rest of the way. That's why I came here. Eddie, you're bleeding. Take your hands off me. Eddie, you're hurt bad. I know a doctor who can help you. I'll call Stay him. Stay away from the phone. Eddie, I don't understand. Never expected to see me again, did you? Nobody expected to see Eddie Sitko again. He's all through, isn't that it? Good old Eddie. 
Wrapped up in a murder app, isn't that it, Kitty? No, Eddie, no. That isn't it at all. You're wrong. Well, I'm right about one thing. Kenyon sent me up there. Eddie, I've got to get you out of here. They'll be looking for you everywhere. They'll come here, too. Kenyon sent me there. Kenyon told the cops. That's where we're going. Going? We're going? Going where, Eddie? See Dallas Kenyon. Well, that's where they'll be waiting for you. That's the first place they'll go. Yeah, but they wouldn't stop you, Kitty. You could just drive right through the gate, an old friend. Crazy. And I'm right behind you on the floor of the car. Look, Eddie, I, I hate him as much as you do. I hate him for what he did to you, but I haven't seen him or heard from him since the trial. I hate him, Eddie, but I... think I got lots of reasons to help me, huh? But don't you see it wouldn't work? They'd search the car and they'd start shooting. Please. I had lots of time to think, Kitty. Please. Well, there's waiting to be sent up. It's funny what I remembered. Well, we could get away. Something my ma used to say. You and me. Way back. If you forgot Kenyon. Well, I used to sit around on the steps talking my with him. My car's downstairs. If we started now, it's The only thing I do remember besides gang fights and reform school and the way they did things. They wouldn't look for me, don't you see? They wouldn't look for me if I were to disappear. There's a line from something. It said, there's a time to live and a time to die. Eddie, please listen to me. Kenyon's time, baby. My time. He sits in his big house and lets everybody else get dirty for him. He promises big payoffs. And then he pays like he paid me off. Eddie. Just to stand in front of him and watch him be scared. Like I've been scared. I want to see him die. It's his time. Eddie, I love you. Things could be the way they once were if you forget him. Killing him won't do you any good. I love you. I love you. I love you. We could have each other again. I can get a doctor. He'll fix this. And then we can get away together, you and me. It's a big world. They don't catch everybody thereafter. Hear what I'm saying, Eddie? Forget Dallas Kenyon. Forget about killing him. It's a miracle that you got away, but you are away. Don't let this destroy you, this hating him. There'd be nothing after that. We have time, darling. My darling, you and me, we have time. Baby, clear. Yes, darling. You love me. Wherever you want me to go, Eddie. You'll... You'll go anywhere with me? Yes, darling, yes. Here, my car keys. Drive around the back and I'll pack. What's wrong? You want me to leave you alone? I... I don't understand. You want me to leave you alone? You don't love me. What? You still love him. No, Eddie, no. I, I told you I haven't seen him or heard from him since the trial. Not a you word. You still I... love him. You always loved him. No, Eddie. Right now, you wanted me out of here so you could call and turn me in. So you could save him. You're not going to hurt him. We got rid of you when? <laughs> and we'll get rid of you again. You and Kenyon. You and Kenyon. You and Kenyon. <laughs> to an urgent call. I became alarmed when a police cordon was established, but I never dreamed that it would come to what it did. Of course, this man, Sitko, had no way of knowing that I was in the house. 
I don't know how he got in without being seen. I was standing on the top of the landing in front of Mr. Kenyon's room when I first heard him in the hall below. He'd entered, I imagine, through the basement. He looked about to see if anyone would interfere with him. Then he saw me. He was wounded in several places. The shoulder, chest, I believe. His face was extraordinary. A mask of pure hate. I stood and watched him as he came up. You. Where is he? Do you mean Mr. Kenyon? Which room is it? Come on, move. This is Mr. Kenyon's room. Out of my way. Come on, get out of my way. The sheet. What's the sheet covering him up for? I'm the undertaker. Mr. Kenyon died of a coronary attack an hour ago. No! 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 He lashed across the room and ripped back the sheet covering the face. Then he turned and walked out of the room, the gun still in his hand. The police, meanwhile, had entered the home, and seeing them, he again became enraged and began firing. Suspense, presented by Autolite. Tonight's star, Mr. Elliot Lewis, will return in just a moment. Music for Suspense is composed by Lucian Morrowick and conducted by Lud Gluskin. Concerto for Killer and Eyewitnesses was written for Suspense by Arthur Ross and E. Jack Newman and produced and transcribed by Elliot Lewis. In tonight's story, William Conrad was Jesse Crandall. Martha Wentworth was the old woman. Junius Matthews was the pawnbroker. Sidney Miller was the cab driver. Gil Stratton Jr. was the bellhop. Charlotte Lawrence played Kitty Bunnell, and Jay Novello played The Undertaker. Others in the cast were Byron Kane and Jack Crucian. This is Harlow Wilcox speaking for Autolite. And here again is the star of tonight's play, Concerto for Killer and Eyewitnesses, the producer-director of Suspense, Elliot Lewis. Thank you very much, Harlow. Ladies and gentlemen, we of the Autolite family hope you enjoyed our show this evening. This is our last program of the season, but we'll be back on CBS Radio in September. We hope you'll join us. And in the meantime, we hope you'll give the Autolite family an opportunity to be of service to you. Indeed we do, Elliot. And friends... You'll find members of the Autolite family from coast to coast and throughout the world. 98,000 distributors and dealers in the United States and Canada proudly display the Autolite sign. To them and to the nearly 30,000 men and women in Autolite plants throughout the country, I wish to extend my thanks for a wonderful season on Suspense. Have a good summer, Harlow. Thanks, Elliot. Friends, Suspense will continue on television throughout the summer. 
Until we return to CBS Radio in September, here's wishing you a pleasant summer. And remember, you're always right with Autolite. This is the CBS Radio Network. yesterday. Feel a bad cold coming on? Want to get away from it all? We offer you escape. You were groping in the midnight dimness of a gigantic department store. And suddenly you realize that you're not alone but a hundred eyes are glaring at you from the shadows, a hundred hands reaching for your throat, and your most urgent desire is to escape. Escape, produced and directed by William N. Robeson, and carefully plotted to free you from the four walls of today for a half hour of high adventure. Tonight we escape to the dark labyrinth of a giant department store in the dead of night and to a fantastic world of night dwellers as John Collier imagines it in his eerie story, Evening Primrose. Heidi? Heidi, what's the matter? It's me. Oh, Sam, you nearly scared me to death. What do you mean coming in so quiet? Hey, I didn't mean to scare you. I thought you'd be asleep. I didn't want to wake you. Oh, Sam, I'm glad you're home. Hey, what's the matter? Oh, it's terrible. you got to do something, Sam. Oh, well, well, what's terrible? It's this. Just look at this. Uh, what's terrible about that? looks like an ordinary pad of paper to me. Yeah, it's just it. That's just what I thought. But it's got writing in it. It's awful. Now, wait a minute. Maybe you better tell me what this is all about. Well, today I went shopping down at Bracey's department store. Yeah. I, I needed some writing paper, so I picked this up. It, it was on top of the pile and bought it and brought it home. But tonight when I opened it, I found it's got writing in it. Well, that's nothing so terrible. Just take it back tomorrow and they can give you a new one. Oh, no, you don't understand. It's what... Written in it, it's so terrible. What do you mean, what's written in it? Here, you got to read it. Oh, no, no, right now. Read it. Look, Sadie, I'm tired. I've been following all this. Sam, these... please. Just read it. Uh, all right, for Pete's sake. Uh, October 13th. Today I made my decision. I decided to say goodbye to the world to get out. Leave, break away. And I have done it. 
Oh, steady as long as... Go on, read. Ah. And now I am free. Really free. Yes, Yes, I am free at last. The world is an intolerable place for a poet. I was broke, starving at my wit's end. And then I had a brilliant idea. I would escape to a place where I had no need to earn a living, where I could write to my heart's content and peace and security. Where is this place? Right under your nose. So close you'd never think of it. I am now living in Bracey's department store. I have everything within arm's reach that anyone would need or desire. And it's all free. Absolutely free. I arrived this afternoon. I'd spent three days looking over all of the department stores in town. I decided on Bracey's because of the completeness of their food department. Therefore, this afternoon, I entered the store and went immediately to the fourth floor to the rug department and hid myself in this dusty, out-of-the-way corner behind a pile of carpets. Once I'm settled, I'll furnish it with the best of modern pieces from the furniture department. It's small, but I'll be cozy enough and safe. After the store closed, I made my first venture out. I tiptoed as far as the stationery counter and got this paper, the writer's primary need. Now, after making my initial entry, I'll go out and get food, wine, the pillows for my bed, perhaps a fancy dressing gown. This is perfect. I'll be able to write here. Dawn, October 14th. I'm almost too unnerved to write this. The whole thing is unbelievable. After the store was dark and completely quiet, I crept out and started for the food department. One's footsteps echo hollowly in an empty department store at night. And I found myself gliding along the floor on tiptoe, moving as silently as possible. But the sound of footsteps persisted. Suddenly I realized they were not my own. The night watchman. I was in the Salon Moderne. Quickly I seized a mink coat from a hanger, draped it about my shoulders, and stood stock still. started to smile, but the smile froze on my lips. There was someone else here. I was looking straight into a pair of eyes, large, flat, luminous, inhuman eyes peering at me from among the Mrs. Taylor's tubes a dozen feet away. They belonged to a creature dressed as a man, but he was as pale as a creature found under a stone. His hands hanging motionless at his sides looked more like the fins on a fish than human hands. And then he spoke. Not bad for a beginner. I'm... I'm sorry. I didn't know anybody else uh, lived here. Oh, yes. We live here. It's delightful. We? Yes, all of us. Don't you see? Look around you. I looked around. I saw nothing. I looked again. 
I saw an old man come clambering out from behind a clock. There were three elderly ingenues, incredibly emaciated, pale as lace, almost transparent, simpering before the perfume counter. A chintzy lady swam out from the curtains and drapes. They came swarming thick around me, pale, thin, wispy, moving silently, fluttering like gauze in the wind, whispering. Oh, he looks. Who is he? Of course, it's the sun. What is he doing here? A detective. Send for the dark man. Yes, send for the dark man. The dark men. They were pressing around me, clawing, holding me, their pale faces contorted with venomous, inhuman hatred. I was paralyzed. All I could do was repeat over and over again, I'm not a detective, I'm not a detective, I'm not a burglar, then. A burglar? Tie him up. Hold him, carry him to the place. Send for the dark men. Stop. Stop. Let him speak. I'm not a detective. Or a burglar. I'm a poet. Then what are you doing here? I've... I've renounced the world. I came here to live where I could be alone. Away from the world. Why, then, he's come over to us. He's just like us. He's come over to us. A poet. He must meet Mrs. Vanderpan. Yes, Mrs. Vanderpan. She's coming now. I follow their eyes toward the balcony. There, coming down the wall like an ancient spider, clambered an old lady. Wrinkled and cracked and emaciated, she must have been at least 80. A shadowy matriarch. And the things around me bowed and scraped as she reached the floor and floated toward us. Going on here? Where is that stupid girl? What's keeping her? Oh, uh, Mrs. Vanderpant. Well, what is it? Who's this, Mr. Roscoe? Uh, Mrs. Vanderpant, may I present Mr. Uh... Uh, Snell, Mr. Snell, Mr. Charles Snell. Yes, yes, of course. Mr. Snell. He is a poet, and he's come here to live. Oh, he has, has he? That's what he says, and I believe him. Well? Yes, he avoided the night watchman quite neatly. For a beginner. Well, thank you. Hmm. Very well. We shall see. A poet should find inspiration here. Mr. Snell, Mrs. Vanderpant is our grand old lady. Oh? I am quite the oldest inhabitant here, Mr. Snell. Three mergers and a complete rebuilding. But they didn't get rid of me. Oh, really? Oh, oh, where is Ella? Where is my broth? She's bringing it, Mrs. Vanderpant. Oh, terrible little creature. Uh, she is our foundling, Mr. Snell. Uh, she's not quite our sort. Is that so? I have been here, Mr. Snell, ever since the terrible times of the 80s. I was a young girl then. A beauty, they say. And poor Papa lost his money. Oh, braces meant a lot to a young girl in those days. So when I wasn't able to have a charger come, I came here for good. That's better than a charger comes. I was quite alarmed when others began to come after the crash of 1907. But it was the dear judge. How do you do? The colonel. How do you do? Mrs. Bilby. How do you do? Mrs. Bilby writes plays. Oh. And comes of an old Philadelphia family. Oh, you will find us quite nice here, Mr. Smith. I'm sure I will. 
And, of course, all our dear young people came in 1929. Their poor papas jumped from skyscrapers. They couldn't bear to be without trouser counts either. Do you mean all these people live here? Oh, and many more. You shall meet them all later. Oh, here comes Edna with my block. Come, come, you stupid thing. Mrs. Vanderpant is waiting. Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. I'm coming as fast as I can. Now, here. Careful, don't Oh, but she's young. Well, of course, she is a little younger than most of them. And she... She's different. She's beautiful. Mr. Snell. Ella is Mrs. Vanderpant's maid. That's right, old man. She's really not our sort at all. You shouldn't say such things. She can hear you. Oh, that doesn't matter. You'll understand these things better after you've been here a while. But it seems to me that you would... Mr. Snell... We have certain rules here. They are necessary for our survival. I'm sure you won't find it hard to observe them. Well, yes, I appreciate... I should advise that you try. If you do not, that would be most unfortunate, Mr. Snell. Most unfortunate for you. <laughs> October 15th. You can imagine my feelings last night. My first thought was to escape as quickly as possible. In fact, I planned to wait till morning when the store opened, then quit my hiding place, mingle with the crowds, and leave Bracey's forever. But just at dawn, Mr. Roscoe brought me a cup of coffee, which must have been drugged, for I fell asleep. And when I awoke, I found I had slept all day, and night was closing over the store once more. Later, I've spent my second night here. I saw Ella again. Ella, the pearl of this remote, fantastic cave. She's not like the others. A trifle pale, but otherwise normal and human and beautiful. A child of perhaps 18. She's the only thing that makes this nightmare bearable. October 20th. Escape seems almost impossible. There's a very effective burglar alarm system and the doors are all carefully guarded. But that's nothing compared to the dark men. Who are the dark men? I don't know. But they threaten any transgressor with these dark men. I shall try to discover who they are. At least I'm sure I'm watched, though they've begun to trust me now. Speaking to the night watchman would be suicide. Even if he believed my fantastic story or didn't shoot me as a burglar... I'm convinced that neither Ella nor I could get out of here alive. She and the Night Watchman are the only real people here. And how the others hate the Night Watchman. Odious, vulgar creature. He reeks of the coarse sun. Oh, come now, Mrs. Bilby. He's really a personable young man. Very young for a Night Watchman. Mr. Snow, sometimes I wonder about your taste. You mustn't stay so much to yourself, Mr. Snow. You must become better acquainted with our ways. Yes, old man. We've come to the play tonight. We're going to be entertained with one of Mrs. Bilby's tragic comedies. Love in Shadowland. I'm sure you'll enjoy it. Oh, I'm sure I will. It's really a festive occasion, you know. Wanamakers is coming over. Wanamakers? Yes. The entire colony over at Wanamakers is coming here en masse to attend the play. You mean there are people living in other stores? Oh, dear, yes. Didn't you know? Of course, the best people live in Bracey's and Wanamakers. Oh, come now, Mrs. Bilby. There's some very nice people at Alton. 
I beg your pardon, Mrs. Bilby. Oh, hello, Ella. Good evening, Mrs. Snell. Mrs. Bilby. Well, what is it? Mrs. Mamma, I'd so love to see your play tonight. May I have your permission? Certainly not. You know better than that, you stupid creature. You know where you belong? In the basement for the garbage can. But Mrs. Bilby couldn't... Mr. Snell... Ella, you're becoming entirely too forward of late. I'd advise you to watch your step. Remember the dark men. Oh, no, please, Mr. Roscoe. I'll be good. I promise I will. No, please don't send for the dark men. I'm sorry, Mrs. Bilby. Excuse me. Ella, come back. Mr. Snell, you forget yourself. Let her go. But how can you treat her like that? Why do you always frighten her? And what is all this about the dark men? Well, the dark men... Oh, please, Mr. Roscoe, not now. You'll spoil our whole evening. And I do so want Mr. Snell to enjoy my play. Very well. Later, Mr. Snell. But I want to know about the dark men. Later, later. October 21st. At last, I found an opportunity to speak to Ella alone. I hadn't dared to speak to her before. Here one has a sense always of pale eyes secretly watching. But last night at the play, I induced a fit of hiccups. As I anticipated, I was sternly reprimanded and told to go and secrete myself in the basement where the night watchman wouldn't hear me. This was exactly what I had planned. I went to the basement. There in the darkness, among the garbage cans and the rats, I heard sobbing. Ella! Ella! Oh. Ella, is that you? Yes. Why are you crying? What is it, Ella? They... They wouldn't even let me see the play. Is that all? Who is this now? I'm so unhappy. There, there. You mustn't cry. You're the only one. The only one who's kind. Ella, why are you here? Why do they treat you so differently? Because I'm not like them. I didn't choose to come here. You mean you're held prisoner? Yes. You see, I was only six. I came here on a shopping tour with my mother. I got lost and fell asleep behind a counter. It's dark when I awoke and they found me. Some of them wanted to send for the dark men because they were afraid I would tell on them. But Mrs. Vanderpant said, no, I could stay and be your maid. I've been here ever since. Since you were six? Haven't you ever tried to get away? No. I don't know anything about... out there... I wouldn't know what to do. Besides, I'm afraid. If anyone tries to get out, they send for the dark men. Ella, who are the dark men? Don't you know? Oh, it's horrible. Tell me. You know how people live in all the stores? At Gimbel's and Bloomingdale's? Yes, and... yes, I know. Well, the dark men live at the Undertaker's. Good heavens. And whenever someone dies or breaks the rules, or when a burglar gets in and sees these people and might tell... They send for the dark men. Oh, horrible. They put the body in the butcher shop in the food department. And then the dark, dark men come. I saw them once. It was terrible. What do they do? They go in where the dead person is. They have wax with them and all sorts of things. And when they're gone, there's just a wax model left on the counter. Then all put, people put a frock on it or a bathing suit and mix it up with the other wax models in the windows. And nobody ever knows. Ella, you mean all these dummies around us? Oh, not all of them. But if you displease these people, the same thing will happen to you. Oh, 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 oh,
October 30th. I haven't kept up my journal. Writing has been out of the question. Once more, I'm frozen with terror. But not for myself now. For Ella. They hate her. Any time they might turn against her in sense of the dark men. My mind is filled with her. I dream of her every day. I'd live to see her at night. We've managed it several times. They trust me now and let me roam about without interference. Finally, tonight, I met her again and said it. Ella, I love you. Oh, Charles. I love you, Ella. Let's get married. Or whatever they do here. Then we can live together in my home in the carpet department. They wouldn't dare hurt you then. Oh, Charles. Don't look so dismayed. If you like, we'll go away from here. Maybe we can get transferred to... To Bergdorf Goodman's, overlooking Central Park. Don't, Charles, don't. You mustn't. But I love you. Ella, you're not in love with someone else. Yes, Charles, I am. But who? I thought you hated them all. It must be Roscoe. He's the only one that's young enough. Oh, no, Charles, not Roscoe. Especially not him. I do hate them all. They make me shudder. Well, who is it, then? It's him. Who? The night watchman. No, impossible. I love him. He smells of the sun. Ella. Oh, it was wonderful the way it happened. Don't tell on me, Charles, that they're punishing me. Oh, no, no. I was careless, and there he was, coming around the corner in the ladies' lingerie department. I was caught. There were only some wax models in their underthings. There was nothing else to do. I slipped off my dress and stood still. He stopped and looked at me. And Charles, he spoke to me. He said, Say, honey, I wish they made him like you on 8th Avenue. Charles, wasn't that a lovely thing to say? Personally, I should have said Park Avenue. It doesn't matter what street. It was a lovely thing to say. But what can you do about him? Ella, he belongs to another world. Yes, to 8th Avenue. I want to go there. Charles, are you really my friend? Yes, of course I am. And I'll tell you, I'm going to stand there again in the lingerie department, so he'll see me. And then? Perhaps he'll speak to me again. Ella, you're only torturing yourself. No, because this time I shall answer him. He'll take me away. Take you away? Oh, no, Ella, I couldn't bear that. You don't love him. You only think you do because you think he'll take you out of here, but you don't know that he will. And I will, Ella. I've made up my mind. No, Charles, I couldn't let you do it. Even if I loved you, you couldn't do it, Charles. Why not? Because you really belong here. You're... You've become one of them now. Ella, you mustn't say that. It's true. And, Charles, i got to go. There's someone watching us. I feel it. No, wait, Ella. Goodbye, Charles. No, Ella. Come back. Ella. Please, old man. You'll arouse tonight, watchman. Roscoe. Yes. Oh, love can be very upsetting, can't it? You heard? Yes. Just the last moment or so. Very touching. <laughs> Yet it's understandable. I've been attracted to Ella myself. So she loves another, hmm? Too bad, old boy. Who could it be? Could it be that I am the cause of your heartbreak? You flatter yourself too much, Roscoe. Well, then whom? The old judge? Well, certainly not. The colonel? Hardly. None of those. Oh, not one of the customers. The staff? She loves the night watchman. Can you imagine that? She loves the... Oh? Roscoe, I shouldn't have said that. It's not true. At least I don't think it's true. You wouldn't... 
Roscoe, you said you loved her, too. You wouldn't do anything. Tell anybody. This is a secret between us. Between friends, isn't it? Of course, old man. As secret as the grave. She's young. Perhaps he'll leave and she'll forget him in time. Who knows? Perhaps she'll learn to love you or me. Of course. In time. And we'll figure a way to keep her safe here. Absolutely safe. Now, don't you worry about it. It's almost dawn. Time for bed. Good morning, Mr. Snell. because this evening the atmosphere has changed. People flicker to and fro, smiling nervously, horribly with a sort of frightened, sadistic exaltation. An informal dance in the record department has been called off. I can't find Ella. I'm going out again now to look for her. Roscoe, what have you done with her? Shh, shh, quiet, old boy. The night watchman. I don't care. What have you done? Whatever I did was for your own good as well as for the good of us all. Wait a minute. What is that? What are those people carrying? That's Ella. She's tied up. They're carrying... Ella! Ella! Stop it, Charles. Stop it. Stop it. Go. Stop it. You'll arouse the night watchman. No, they're... They're taking her in... into the butcher shop. Let's go. thing to do. I'm going to find the night watchman and tell him. He and I will save her if we can. And if we are overpowered, well, I will leave this pad on the stationary counter. Tomorrow, if I live, I will recover it. If I do not, whoever finds this and reads it, look in the store windows Look for three new wax dummies. Two men, one rather sensitive looking. And a girl. She has blonde hair and blue eyes. And her nose turns up a little. Look for us. And then find them. Smoke them out. Exterminate them. Avenge us. Oh, Sam, isn't it horrible? Ah. Well, Louis, we've got to do something. Tell somebody something. Oh, Sam, what do we do? Do? For nothing. Go to bed. But Sam... Well, whoever wrote this has sure got a weird sense of humor. It's probably some quite down on braces who ought to be fired. But... You... You mean you think it's just a story? Are you kidding? You don't believe this stuff, do you? Well, well I don't know. I... I oh, don't... forget it, baby. What a snap out of it. I shouldn't leave you alone. You get too many ideas when I go out bowling at night. But, uh, 
Don't you think maybe we ought to just uh, take it back and show somebody? Oh, nuts. It's not worth the bother. They'd laugh at you, baby. They'd think you were crazy or something. Yeah. Yeah. I guess you're right. I guess I was silly. Yeah, forget it. Oh, come on. Let's go to bed. Huh? I'm tired. Okay. Okay, Sam. Gee, you know that for a while I sure was scared. <laughs> oh, I even forgot what I was going to tell you. Sam, I found the cutest dress today. Only 1995. Yeah, baby? Yeah. It was in the window at Bracey's. It was on a beautiful little wax model with blonde hair, blue eyes, and a turned-up nose. And there were two men standing beside... Produced and directed by William N. Robeson. And tonight brought you Evening Primrose by John Collier. Adapted for radio by John Dunkel. With Elliot Lewis as Charles Snell, Paul Freese as Roscoe, and Pat Lowry as Ella. The special musical score was conceived and conducted by Cy Pure. Next week... After you've had a tough day at the office or leaning over a hot stove, when your four walls seem to be closing in on you, next week at the same time when you want to get away from it all, we again offer you escape. Columbia Broadcasting System. Well, guys, that does it for Mr. Elliot Lewis in his performance on the show for this afternoon. Please join me this evening or tomorrow night as I bring to the show his wife, Miss Kathy Lewis and Miss Murray Wilson in the CBS comedy show, My Friend Irma. Then join me. Actually, let's go ahead and do that episode tonight and then join me tomorrow night, guys, as I bring back to the show, back my popular demand. The famous writer, actor, and producer, Mr. Orson Welles, as he comes to start off our first episode of part two of our actors and directors and writers month for the month of August then join me this coming Friday as I bring back to the show 
back by popular demand as well. Miss Oz, Mr. and Mrs. Ozzy and Harriet Nelson in the Ozzy and Harriet Nelson show. And then join me for an update after this coming Friday's episode on future episodes and when they will be coming out. I hope you guys have a wonderful day. Please comment and subscribe. And always remember guys to enjoy the show. Thanks.